Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher, pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with part one of this message entitled, Eternal Security and Insecurity. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. I want to speak about apostasy and the saints eternal security or insecurity and security I heard that this pervert Anna Nicole Smith was a good Christian did you hear that was a good Christian the question this morning for us is do professing Christians become apostate you want to know the answer Yes and no. Do all professing Christians go to heaven? The answer is what? Sir, no. That's the answer. Do regenerate Christians become apostate? What's the answer? No. That's right. No, absolutely no, sir. If the Holy Spirit has regenerated you, if the Holy Spirit granted you spiritual resurrection you shall persevere to the end it is impossible for such a person to become apostate he shall not lose his salvation because he has been made a good tree by the miracle of the spirit of the living God and Jesus said a good tree always produces good fruit and a bad tree always produces bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit a bad tree cannot produce good fruit Jesus made it very clear what we need is a transformation What we need is a new creation in the center of your being. But let me tell you, the vast majority of professing Christians, not being of the regenerate kind, shall not enter heaven, but shall enter hell to experience what the Bible calls eternal punishment. Professor F. F. Bruce, I believe, says, in one of his books people are frequently immunized against a disease by being inoculated with a mild form of it or with a related milder disease he is right vast majority of professing Christians are immunized against the real Christianity That teaches one must deny himself daily and take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ to the end of his life. The vast majority of professing Christians are baptized pagans. Such people like pagans are without God and without hope in the world. Sir, carry with you some dope. It will ease you as you die. And you think that you are like a tree or like a dog. Death will be the end of it. No, sir. It is decreed, ordained by God that we die once and... And what? 
face judgment of the triune God. The vast majority of Christians are allergic to obedience to Jesus Christ our Lord. They call Jesus Lord, Lord, but do not obey him. On the day of judgment, many shall say to him, Lord, Lord, but the Lord shall say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. And every church, every Christian church, I say, I mean every gospel preaching church, I mean, on earth, including this church, can be represented as consisting of two circles. An inner circle of regenerate Christians, wheat, and an outer circle of unregenerate Christians, weeds. And on the day of judgment, when Jesus Christ comes again, he will separate the wheat from the chaff. So let us this morning consider Hebrews 6 as we are preaching through expository from the book of Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews 6, 1 through 12. And the first point is desire maturity. Desire maturity. It will help you, brothers and sisters, if you keep reading and prepare yourself to come Sunday morning so you can hear what I have to say about these texts. And if you are Greek scholars, it is good to read in the original text and come here. You'll be highly blessed as I exposit the meaning of the text. Desiring maturity. The author says, leaving foundational doctrines, true believers move on to maturity foundation like milk to newborn infants is very important and I have I just have become a grandfather of two more grandchildren and they need to be fed every two hours whether you like it or not it's very important foundation like milk to newborn infants is very important. Without foundation, no building, no church is possible. Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid the foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. And he says elsewhere, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone and we have churches all around us without foundation they are not church of Jesus Christ they are church of the devil synagogues of the devil but sir we are not remain infants we must grow or regress and I, I have told some people grow or what Sir, die! Grow or die. There's a revolt, Rashduni said, against maturity. Among Christians, a revolt against maturity. Tell me why. Because infants suck. 
infants make a mess, infants are taken care of. So they like it. And I believe some of us would like to not only go back to infancy, but would love to go back, enter into the very womb of our mothers and stay there. Comfortable life, isn't it? Even though in this country it is extremely dangerous. <laughs> See, people like to be infants because everything is done to them and for them. They don't have to do anything. And then they grow up and, and they get married and all of a sudden they are incapable of providing for the family because it was all done for them. They never grew up and learned to sweat, sir, and exercise your mind and what? Muscles. And work six days a week and bring some money and take care of your family. We are not re remain infants, we must grow or regress and die. So the author urges us to go on to maturity as God permits. The, word be the Greek word behind to go on is passive. Ferometa. It means let us be carried along, borne along to maturity. The emphasis here may not be on human effort as much as on God's part, God's work. In other words, the Holy Spirit will carry us along as we yield to Him and surrender to Him, as we trust Him, as we yield to His guidance. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are to fully yield ourselves to Spirit's leading and teaching. And this word is used by St. Peter in Second Peter 1 verse 21 when he speaks of the human authorship of the Holy Scriptures. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Are you yielded to the Holy Spirit this morning to be taught by Him? The second point is leave infancy. Here, of course, has to do with foundational doctrines. Foundation once laid cannot be laid again. What we ought to do is to be carried along to maturity as we exercise obedient faith in God's truth and word. And here we are given a list of foundational doctrines. And they are very, very important, as I said, just milk. Is important to newborn babies. First, repentance from dead works. Repentance, metanoia, is change of mind and attitude. It's a whole change of your philosophy. A new well-tanned a new way of looking at reality. 
which is the exact opposite of what you were used to. It is change of direction in one's life's journey. It is a turning around and going the opposite direction. This is what happened to the prodigal son. The Bible says he came to himself. That means he repented. Authentic and godly repentance. He came to himself and he began to think correctly. Fool has said in his heart there is no God. So a non-Christian thought is always revolve around himself, not around God. But when you repent, you see the centrality of God. God is the center of everything. A repenting person, he now hates wickedness. All the works he did while he was living in sin. Sir, God doesn't beg or plead, but he commands all people everywhere to repent. And he is commanding you to do so. Tomorrow you are going to die. But today, thank God, you are here. I said it's an oasis of living water. And it is for you. God commands all people everywhere to repent. Jesus said, repent or perish. Perish there means eternal damnation. Jesus said, repent. John the Baptist said, repent. Apostles said, repent. Pastor Matthew says, what? Come on, repent. Your mother says, repent. An unrepentant person never goes to heaven. And yet we are told repentance is a gift from God. Peter says in chapter 5 and verse 31 of the book of Acts, God exalted Jesus to his own right hand as, as prince and savior for the purpose that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. The whole work of redemption was for the purpose that he may grant you repentance and forgiveness of sins. God sent his eternal son to take upon himself human nature and suffer and die that he may make atonement for your sins. Sir, what do you say about Jesus? Yes, repentance is a gift and this Jesus Christ, the one who died and buried and raised up and ascended, the sovereign Lord of the universe, is giving this gift of repentance. Receive it from him. If anyone truly repents, it is because God granted him repentance and he received it. Second is faith in God, the foundational doctrine. Pisteos epithion, faith upon God. Not only one must turn from wickedness and dead works, he must turn to God by trusting in Jesus Christ. There is a turning from and there is a turning to. Faith is resting upon Jesus Christ resting upon God 
Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 where this apostolic teaching is found. Acts 20 and verse 21. I have declared. Isn't that wonderful? I like preachers who declare. I don't like preachers who beg and plead. Now they do that to make a couple of dollars. I don't do that here. If you don't give money, that's all right with me. Isn't that true? I don't depend on you. I depend on Jesus Christ who commissioned me to preach the gospel. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they what must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see the same thing. You Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Turn again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 9 and 10. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God. These were pagans. God granted them repentance. They turn to God from idols. If you don't worship Jesus Christ, you are a worshiper of idols, sir. You can deny all you want. But you are a worshipper of creation rather than creator who is blessed forever. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Saving faith is not merely agreeing that certain facts of the Bible are true. That is called a sensus agreement. That's not what saving faith is. Saving faith goes beyond information, beyond a census, beyond that to fiducia. Faith is trust in God and you rest upon God. Your foundation is God and not your psyche. God, the eternal almighty God, uncreated God. Saving faith is trusting in God and his son and living obediently to him till death. And then we are told about the teaching on baptisms, various baptisms. You read chapter 9 verse 10 speaks about various ritual washings people of Israel experienced. There was proselyte baptism and a pagan wants to become a, a believing Jew. And there was John's baptism, remember that, baptism unto repentance. And then of course Christian baptism which is the only baptism that matters. Which is an external act dramatizing an internal reality of one's identification with Jesus in his death, in his burial and resurrection. A person who is baptized in the name of the triune God lives in obedience to God all his life. He finds such life thrilling and delightful. For he is born of God. He enjoys the life of God in his soul. 
Sirs, if you find obedience to God a pain in the back, you may want to examine very seriously about your professional faith in Jesus Christ. The fifth doctrine is laying on of hands. I don't have time to describe these. When you study the scriptures, you find Jesus laid hands on children that they may be blessed. So laying hands for blessing. Jesus laid hands on sick people and to heal them. We read about laying hands in the New Testament for ordinations, setting people apart to work for the Lord. And we read in the book of Acts, laying hands as a way for people to receive Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And finally, the resurrection of the dead. Brothers and sisters, your mother is going to be raised up. She was wicked. And your father, your grandfather, all these people, your great-grandfather, they all died. They are going to be raised up. All people are going to be raised up by the command of God. Let's turn to uh, John chapter 5 quickly. In verse 28 and 29, do not be amazed at this for a time is coming. A time is coming, sir. It is still future for you. A time is coming when all who are in their graves, notice all in their graves will hear his voice, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. This is prophesied in Daniel chapter 12. You can find out. And the next doctrine, of course, is eternal judgment. And we are told, 927 of this book, it is ordained once to die. And then comes judgment. Or turn with me again to John 5. Let me read from verse 27. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. God the Father has given his son authority to judge all people. Verse 30, but myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just. Jesus Christ is the one who judges. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 25. And that is speaking about this judgment. Beginning with verse 31, when the Son of Man comes. What do you think about Jesus Christ, sir? Who do you say that he is? Very important question, isn't it? Have you confessed him as God's son, the only savior, sinless man, who was crucified for your sins, buried and raised from the dead? Do you confess that he is the sovereign Lord of the universe at this moment? Do you understand it is he who keeps in being at this moment? You breathe because of Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. And he is going to assemble. He will summon and all will come out of the grave and assemble before him. And he shall separate the goat from the sheep. And turn with me to verse 46 of Matthew 25. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. 
but the righteous to eternal life. And you read about it elsewhere, Revelation 20 and so on. Mark 3 and verse 29 speaks about eternal sin. And here in chapter 6 of Hebrews we find the last foundational doctrine is what? Eternal judgment. What is eternal sin? It is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in reference to his testimony concerning Jesus that he is the Son of God. He is the sinless one. He died on the cross for our salvation. He was crucified. He went to hell. He was buried. And he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he ascended into the heavens. And he seated on the right hand of God the Father. And all things are subjected to him. He is the creator of the universe. And he is the one who maintains the universe in being. To reject that testimony of the Holy Ghost. Which is what is found in the scriptures, isn't it? The Bible is the book of the Holy Ghost. And it is his testimony. God who cannot lie is testifying concerning Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself said, the law, the prophets and the writings, they all speak of me that Christ must die and be raised from the dead. That repentance and forgiveness of sin may be proclaimed to all the peoples of the world. Eternal sin is rejection of this testimony concerning Christ. Therefore, such people will receive what? Eternal judgment. That is speaking about being in hell eternally. There is no way to get out of it. Your mother is going to go there. Your father, your uncle, <laughs> those who died and those who are living, unless they repent and and believe in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, there is the warning of apostasy. It's the most serious statement in the whole of Bible. One of the most serious warnings in the whole of Bible. Pay attention. Pay attention. And it says it is impossible Verse 4 through 8. It's impossible. Ah, do not turn. It is impossible. Impossible. Impossibility. Impossibility of what? That if people who profess to be Christians fall away, become apostate, it is impossible to renew them to repentance that apostasy is irremediable irreversible and I have seen it in this church happen so the warning is serious it calls for serious examination the author warns us seriously very seriously concerning the danger of apostasy he has done this before several times and he will do it also later on. Chapter 2 verse 1 speaks against drifting. Drifting. Chapter 3 
read 16 through 19, gives the example of the Israelites in the wilderness about their unbelief and disobedience and how except for two people all of them died did not enter into the rest of Canaan their bodies were strewn in the wilderness these were people who experienced God's benefits I don't believe once saved always saved I believe once regenerated, always regenerated. You can make any profession you want, doesn't make you a new creation. But if you are a new creation by a miracle of God, you will not become apostate. Do not drift. Be warned of the example of the Israelites in the wilderness. He wants us and wants each one of us to be careful. And you go home and read each one. 312, 313, 41, 411, 611. And he is a pastor. He does not even want one person to become apostate. Be careful. Pay attention. Don't drift. Don't be like those vast majority of people whose bodies were strewn in the desert because of their unbelief they became apostates and he wants again very severely in chapter 6 4 through 8 point is having in some sense experienced the many faceted salvation if one fell away and turned against the only savior Jesus Christ he is irremediably lost. He cannot be renewed to repentance. It is adunaton. Impossible. It is absolutely impossible. Such a person goes to hell forever. You go home and read Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. And Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. But let me read Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16 and 19. Pay attention. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did he swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Serious issue we are talking about. And some of you never in your life heard what I am preaching to you. Never. Such people have committed what I have treated in 1 John chapter 5.16 in my book. Committed a sin unto death. Don't pray for such people who committed sin unto death. We are told by the Apostle John. They became enemies of Jesus Though once they have experienced in some sense salvation. And five aspects of this one salvation. 
verse 4. They've been enlightened once for all. Chapter 6 verse 4. In the past tense, they received enlightenment. They received an inner illumination of the spirit into the gospel. And turn to chapter 10 and verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Second, they tasted the heavenly gift. These people experience in some sense Jesus Christ the gift from heaven. The Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. And John 4 verse 10 speaks about Jesus Christ the gift from heaven. They tasted. They had an experience in some sense of this Christ. As the Israelites experience protection in Egypt. Their firstborn were not killed. They crossed the Red Sea. They drank water. They tasted manna daily. They enjoyed the presence of God in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. They enjoyed the protection from enemies. They ate meat that God has provided for. They listened to the communication in Mount Sinai from the very mouth of God. And yet I read to you, except two, they died. They became apostates, tasted the heavenly gift, they not only heard of Jesus, but experienced him in some beneficial way. Third, they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. In some sense, they also shared in the gift of the Holy Ghost. Number four, they tasted the good word of God. They enjoyed the preaching of the gospel and they said, preach, pastor, preach it. They were highly emotional like soil number two. They received the word with joy. There are a lot of emotional people in the evangelical churches. Their mind is shrunk, but they are all into emotion. Emotion will never take you to heaven. Emotion is like the caboose of a train. What matters is the engine and your connection to the engine. Let's praise the Lord. <laughs> and then the fifth one, they tasted the powers of the coming age. This is speaking about the miracles and wonders and healings and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. These are powers of the coming age, but they are intruding into this age. I have experienced it. I experienced healing in my body all these years. Hallelujah. Miracles, wonders. Holy Ghost, sir. Holy Ghost and his gifts. And you read Galatians 3, 5, and Hebrews 2, 4, and 1 Corinthians 12. And you read the whole book of Acts and you find powers of the age to come intruding into the present. Hallelujah. They experience in some sense. And the author says, to our warning, it is impossible such people to renew them to repentance and bring back to the path of light and life and salvation. They have become apostates. They turned away and against the living God. 
Let me tell you for your comfort as a pastor. This is not referring to believers who sin like Peter or, or David. It is understood believers may sin, sin not unto death. Turn with me to the first epistle of John. If you are sleeping, it's because you may not be a Christian. It's serious business. Except you can tell me you worked all night last night, then I will say you're all right. And I'll be, I'm very glad you are here because you may get something through osmosis. <laughs> Your mind may not be working, but God will perform miracle. Chapter 1 of 1 John 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. So it understands that we may sin. Or chapter 2 of First uh, John and verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And you read the Psalm 51, where this David has done such terrible sin, and yet he is repenting, he's crying out to God against thee, the only have I sinned. And he received mercy, we are told, isn't that true? Or 2 Corinthians 5, there was a man who was living with his father's wife. And he was put out of the church and yet it appears that he repented and was restored. These are not sin unto death. We daily may commit sin of omission and commission. And we must examine ourselves in the light of the word and by the aid of the spirit. We must truly repent of them. And God promises sir, to forgive us our sins. But the warning in Hebrews 6 has to do with such sin as described also in chapter 10, verse 26. Let's turn to it, chapter 10, beginning with verse 26. And if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace it has to do with the sin unto death such a people reject the only sacrifice for sins when you reject the only savior and the only atonement you are doomed to destruction such people are likened to a field that receives the rain of God, plenty of rain, and yet only produces thorns and thistles, useless to the farmer. Such fields shall be cursed and burned in the end. People who in some sense experience the many-faceted salvation only to reject Jesus. That's what that field is picturing. They are covenant breakers, the covenant keepers like the good field that produced good vegetation for the farmer receives a blessing of God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We preached from that book. Isaiah 
chapter 55. We are the soil. And here chapter 55 of Isaiah verse 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word that goes out of the mouth, my mouth, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send. So we are the soil upon which the rain of the word of God has come. And it must produce fruit. Or turn to Isaiah 44. And verse 3 and 4. For I will pour water on the thirsty land. And streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And my blessing on your descendants. Brothers and sisters. The rain of the word of God. And the rain of the Spirit of God is coming upon you. It is coming upon you. It has been coming upon you many times. The question to be asked this morning is what is it producing? Is it producing fruit for the joy of God or thorns and thistles? The covenant keepers, like the good field that produce good vegetation for the Father, receives the blessing of God. The covenant breakers being bring forth thorns and thistles, like the vineyard Isaiah spoke of. And read Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. He planted it. Good vine. He took care of it, but produced bitter fruit. And God says, I'm going to destroy it. Shall we rise and let me say this. It is impossible to renew such people to repentance because they are deliberately and continuously standing with the enemies of Jesus. They are continually re-crucifying Jesus, saying, Jesus is a blasphemer, he is a demon-possessed person, he is a Samaritan, he is a drunkard, he is a glutton. Sir? Who do you say Jesus is? He is cursed one. He must be crucified. He is not the son of God. He is a liar. He is not the creator of the whole universe. He is not sovereign. He is a pretender. They cry out. Joining with the enemies of Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify him. Give us the murderer Barabbas. But crucify Jesus, let his blood come upon me and my children. And such people glory continually in putting Jesus to public shame. They mock the dying Jesus. Therefore, it is impossible to renew them unto repentance. Who do you say that Jesus is? And who do you say that you are? If you received the reign of the word and the reign of the spirit, you would say, I am a sinner lost. I am under the wrath of God. And you will say, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is God. Jesus is savior. Jesus is the only savior. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the third 
you would say, what must I do, pastor, to be saved? Oh, I have good news for you. You don't have to go to Mecca. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to spend any money. You don't have to give me one dime. What is the answer? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. When? When? When is it? When is it going? Right now, sir. Right now, sir. Right now. You'll be saved. Right now, sir. Right now, we'll be saved. Isn't that wonderful? And if you profess to be a Christian and yet not obeying Christ, you need to examine yourself and see whether you are an apostate. You must ask that. It is the fruit that evidences the reality of your being. That you are a new creation. That you are regenerated by the mighty operation of the Spirit of God upon your soul. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to ask these searching questions. Those who never trusted in Jesus, they are hearing me now. Oh God, have mercy upon them. Grant them repentance, grant them faith. That they may trust in Jesus Christ alone. And be saved yes. this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray that you guide your people with the word and the spirit. That they may examine themselves and see whether they are producing fruit pleasing to God. That they may conclude with uh, this truth for their everlasting joy. That they are saints. Yes children of God and they have eternal not judgment but security for we pray in Jesus name Amen, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew with part one of this message entitled Eternal Security and Insecurity Come back soon for part two 